0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen. Your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Knocking at the door, Adore you breathe upon us today, change our lives, take us higher still. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's put our hands together for these beautiful ones that are serving God from childhood. That's beautiful. Praise God. So so today we are um, starting a new series, as you're aware, titled Words to Live By. Words to Live By. And um, increasingly um, today we have people that are being swayed from one side to the other. We have people that are just believing anything, And not even knowing what they believe, you know. There's some. Well, I know that a minister of the gospel supposed to be, and you know he was saying that there's nothing like the blood of Jesus. That there's nothing like. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, do people just want to say things because, you know? They want to be controversial or they want to, be, you know, that it's not like the blood of Jesus. That the name of Jesus is not the name of Jesus that we think is the name of Jesus. <laughs> Some say there's no need for the church anymore. That the church does not, uh, Jesus does not mean for the church to exist. I'm like, Really? Some say don't give anymore, there's no need to tithe, there's no need to fellowship. Speaking in tongues is not for today. And increasingly, we have people that are not living by anything, being swayed to the left and to the right, But the word of God are words to live by. The word of God is the anchor to our souls. It's reliable. The word of God are promises from heaven. So, God says this. Then this is it? You can you can anchor on it. You can you can live by it. You can hinge your life on it. And there are a lot of such promises in the Bible. I mean, scholars tell us that there are eight thousand promises. Eight thousand promises in the Bible. And these words, Jesus says in John 6, that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. These words are alive. They are alive. They are not only alive, they keep us alive. And there are promises that we can bank on. It's like um, having an insurance policy for instance. When something hits you, you are not um, wondering what's going to happen. You have a car. You insure your car properly, not $5,000 insurance for a $15 million car. (laughs) Why why do you want to do that? And someone takes out your bumper. If the person takes out your bumper, in fact, in other crimes... When someone hits you, you just exchange details and everybody goes their way. There's nothing like, do you know who I am? Say, so, do you know who my father is? <laughs> There's no need for the exchange. You just exchange your insurance documents and the details and everybody goes their way immediately. Why? Because insurance covers it. What I'm saying is that the word of God, God's promises are like A divine insurance policy. If you know what is covered in the policy, you will not have to fret. If you know the policy covers everything, you will not have to worry about anything. The reason we are shaky and worried is because we don't know what is in the policy. What is in our policy. And, or we don't know how the policy works. And why we have the policy and what the policy does for us. So, three things about this policy, the Word of God. Three things very quickly um, before we dive into the meat of, of, of today's teaching. Three things very quickly. The first thing is this, that we need to realize is that the Word of God is both... Conditional and unconditional. So God's promises, there are those that are unconditional, and there are those that are conditional. So if you confuse a conditional promise for an unconditional promise, you're going to have issues. Or if you confuse a, a, a conditional and unconditional for a conditional promise, I mean, you'd be confused. For instance. The second coming of Christ is an unconditional promise. God promised that Jesus will come again. It's not in any condition. Jesus is coming again. However, those promise to set you on high is conditional. It says if you will act in to the voice of the Lord, your God. If you will act diligently, I will set you on high upon all the nations of the earth. So, if you act to His voice, you will be promoted. If you act, in, listen, and do, you will be promoted. So, every conditional promise as president that needs to be f- fulfilled. So if you don't fulfill the precedent, and you're like, oh, this, this Bible is not working for me. It's not working because we have not done and fulfilled the condition. Praise the name of the Lord. Second thing is that God gives us his word, these words to live by, he gives us the word to teach us to trust him in difficult times. So God gives us his word to trust him in difficult times. Word to live by. Psalm 119 verse 50. Psalm 119 verse 50. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, When I am hurting, I find comfort in your promise that leads to life. So, God's promise, God's word gives us comfort. When we are hurting, in difficult times, we learn to trust God. When things are tough, we learn to hold on to God's word. So God gives us his word as an anchor. In verse 114 of Psalm 119, verse 114, it says that you are my refuge and shield and your promises are my only source of hope. My only source of hope. And the question is that, I mean, do you have other sources of hope? I hope not. The word of God is our only source of hope. So God gives us his word to teach us to trust him and, and number three, you know, you need to know about the word of God is that he gives us this word to make us more like Jesus, to make us more like him, to be a partaker of his divine nature, says 2 Peter chapter 1 Verse 4, it says, God made these great and marvelous promises so that his nature will become a part of us. And these words are so pivotal. They hold us together. They ensure that we are not blown away or swayed. Even though the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10.10, Jesus says in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it how? More abundantly. So Jesus wants to give us life. And he wants to give us life abundantly. So when we are following him, sometimes we don't get the benefit of all that he has for us. Many times we follow Jesus, but we are not getting all that He has for us. And Jesus is saying, I've come that you will have life. And the key to this life in God is the Holy Spirit. The key to this life is the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, The Holy Spirit. I can hear you say the Holy Spirit. Good. The key is the Holy Spirit. What unlocks this life? What is actually this life itself? Is the Holy Spirit. John 7, 38 to 39. John 7, 38 to 39 says that whoever believes in me as the scripture, as rivers of living water will flow from within them. From within them. So this life that God is talking about is a life that flows from where? From within. From within. And many times we are actually, whenever we feel we are not bubbly, uh, we need life, Oh, we need joy and stuff. We look outside for it. We look after outside for it. Many times, sometimes you look at your, at, at your possession. Oh, I, I want to go shopping. Shopping makes me happy. Have you heard that before? Shopping makes me happy. Right? Yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a drug. <laughs> shopping makes me happy. For some people, we fill it with, maybe we go to, for the bottle. For some, we jump from one bed to another bed. We go to sex. For others, we may want to check out a movie. Oh, I just want to be happy. I want to watch a movie, you know. on, and on, and on, and on. You see, but the, the truth is this. There's nothing on the outside that can give you this life that God is talking about that can only come from the inside. Only the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. So when we are many times looking on the outside to get the joy when I get one more car, when I get one more child, um, Got the first one. Oh, when I get the second one, my husband will love me. When I get the third child, my husband will love me. When I get the fourth one, my husband will love me. After the fourth one, you say, well, Let me just praise the Lord. <laughs> That's why they gave him uh, Judah. Let me just praise the Lord. There is nothing on the outside, it is only from within. Praise the name of the Lord. And sometimes, you know, we, we we don't want to get quote unquote busy with the things of the world, and we get busy, quote unquote, with the things of God, in the sense that we come early to church, we pack the chairs, we are parking cars, we are sweeping, we are singing in the choir, we are joining the prayer department, we are, you know, just doing many things for God, hoping that. But many times and sometimes, we can unintentionally prioritize a life for God over a life with God. What we want to impart today is for us to prioritize our life with God. Everybody say, My life with God. Our life with God. So it's this internal realities that actually overflows on the outside. When we look at the life of Jesus, these words that he spoke, that, over, that was overflowing from within him, they are words to live by. And if we check the segment of his life, the period, the last few days that Jesus spent on earth, Jesus had the last a long time with his disciples and he sat down with them and, 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 and was saying so many things. Like, like we said, if you want to know the most important thing for someone, if they know they are going to die in three days and they open their mouth to talk, pay attention to what they are saying because they don't have time to waste. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, think about it. If if you know you are going to die in three days, God forbid. I know you rejected that. I'm not dying in three days. You will not. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now, imagine, it's just three days away. What would be your conversation like? Will you be planning the Dubai trip? Even if they give you tickets, next week. First class ticket. What, what, what will be going through your mind? Let me help you. Many of us we think about our children. We think about our loved ones. We think about the people we are responsible for. We are thinking are they going to be okay? Am I going to make sure they are okay? That's all because you want the people that you are leaving behind to be okay without you. So when, when Jesus was being taken, was about to be taken, all that was in his mind is how can we be okay? How can his disciples be okay? How can, when he's been taken away, how can, they continue to function. And I, we give an assignment in, at the ATM service. I'm, I'm going to give you guys the same assignment. When you get home today, read John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Just five chapters of the Bible. Just sit down, read your Sunday pounded and a soup. And Open your Bibles and begin to read. Because these were the words of Jesus when he was about to be taken. He had just a few days left. He had just a few days left. And if you checked, one of the main things Jesus spoke about in those five chapters is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I'm going, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm I'm going to take care of you. I have. I'm going to send in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to do this for you. The Holy Spirit is going to do that for you. So, so Jesus was giving his heart out to the disciples and saying, "These are my words. These are the words to live by." These are the things that you take and go with when I am not around. So I said like the Holy Spirit will do this for you, will do that for you, with a lot of things. If I can look at four of them, we will be done. The first thing Jesus said, words to live by, that the Holy Spirit will do for us, Is that the Holy Spirit will connect me to God's presence forever. The Holy Spirit will connect me to God's presence for how long? Forever. Forever. John 14, 16 to 18. John 14, 16 to 18 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he is with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, interestingly, Jesus was saying that I will give you, I will take care of you. I'm going, you're going to miss me. It was a very solemn time, but I'm, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you, and the person I'm going to give you is going to be another advocate. Oh, so that means Jesus was an advocate when he was with them. He was. He says, I will give you another advocate. You know, and I was sharing how I was... In um, the PFN conference a few days ago, and the speaker that spoke before me was explaining this role of advocacy that an, an, an advocate is just a lawyer, someone that speaks on behalf of another in in a, in a legal setting. so he was saying that and when he was speaking in my mind, I was like, hmm 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 you know <laughs> he was saying that We need an advocate, or Jesus knew that we needed an advocate. And he provided the Holy Spirit because an advocate is the one that speaks on behalf of somebody that that is in trouble, or that has messed up, or that needs to be cleared. So, So, he was saying that the Holy Spirit will stay with us consistently to plead our case consistently because we mess up consistently. Praise the name of the Lord. So God knows that you are going to run your mouth. As you are running your mouth, the Holy Spirit is saying the blood of Jesus. (laughs) God knows that you are going to rove your eyes. As you are roving your eyes, the Holy Spirit is saying the blood of Jesus. You know, God knows. And has provided and advocated for us. And so in my mind, I was like, because I was like, it sounds sometimes when we hear these things, it's like are we not just um, giving people permission to be irresponsible, you know, you know, and all that stuff? And I was thinking further about it, and I was like, okay, if Jesus says I know that advocate, was Jesus really an advocate? At least we knew how Jesus lived with his disciples. Was Jesus really a, an advocate for his disciples? And I was just, I mean... We said a lot of examples right there. When I was sitting there, oh, this example, that example. So when Peter brought out his sword and cut off the air of, of, of the people that came to arrest Jesus, what did Jesus do? Advocacy. He took the air, put it back so that they don't put Peter in prison. Prison, of the Lord. When Peter denied Jesus, Three times. Did you know that before, obviously you must know, that before Jesus, Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus had already advocated for him. He says, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. You know what? You are going to deny. What? Look, listen. Denying Jesus is a big deal, though. You know that. But Jesus advocated for him even before he did it. What about when they didn't have taxes to pay and tax collectors came? Jesus paid for his own taxes and also paid for the disciples' taxes. Did you, did you know that was what happened? That's the, he advocated financially for them. And the list goes on and on and on and on. I will give you another advocate to help you to be in you. So, And this is a new, new concept for the Old Testament believer because the Holy Spirit didn't used to um, stay. It would come it will come on the prophet, the prophet will prophesy, and he will lift. It will come, Moses, tent of, of meeting, and when they are done, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit will lift, on the king's same thing. But Jesus is saying, I am not only going to come and visit you, I am going to come and inhabit you. So, We are carrying the presence of the Maker of the heavens and the earth. Jesus is not just interested in saving us, He's interested in living in us. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is living in me. So, someone threatens you from the village and says, I'm going to cut off your head. And you are afraid. Why are you afraid? Why should should you be afraid? No. Why shouldn't you be afraid? Because Jesus lives where? Jesus lives in you. And greater is he that is in you. He that is in the world, I will not leave you as orphans. Matthew 28, verse 20. Matthew 28, 20 says, I am with you always, remaining with you. How? Perpetually, perpetually, consistently. I'm not taking a break. I am with you, regardless of the circumstance, and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. This is very empowering. It's very empowering because imagine we walk in the consciousness that God is with us. You walk in the consciousness that God is with you. Not only will you be afraid of evil, not only will you not be afraid of evil, you will be empowered not to commit evil. So let's say There's $10,000 on this table. And you've looked left and right. No one is looking at you. And you want to steal it. Not you, not you. The person wants to steal it. And the person now feels the presence of the maker of the heavens and the earth. Right beside him or her, perpetually. What will happen? You are empowered not to steal it. Because God is there with you. Jesus is watching you. Have I told you that story of Jesus is watching you? <laughs> yes? No? Okay. I'll tell you again. Jesus is watching you. So there was this (laughs) robber that went to rob a house. And the house had a parrot. The parrots that's what they do, they talk. So this robber had packed whatever in the bag and was about to go. And the parrot said, Jesus is watching you. And the robber said, Will you shut up? Jesus is in heaven. I'm here stealing. <laughs> the parrot said, Well, Jesus is watching you. And the robber engaged the parrot and told the parrot to shut up. Jesus is in heaven. What does it mean Jesus is watching me? And the parrot said, Well, the name of our Rottweiler is Jesus. And he's just right here, watching you. (laughs) So, so the robber saw the Rottweiler dropped his bag and ran away. What did the Rottweiler, all he did was carry the bag, let me see you. That was all the Rottweiler. And and many times, when we are carrying a bag that is not ours, Jesus is watching us. It's close by. It's empowering. Completely empowering. Praise the name of the Lord. Not only is that empowering for us not to be afraid of evil, not only is it empowering for us not to commit evil, it's empowering for us To always be comforted for us to always have company. If you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are carrying the maker of the heavens and the earth is with you perpetually. You know the truth is you can't be lonely. You can't, you can't be lonely. You know, years ago, I mean, folks have said to me, Oh, are you not lonely? I'll say, No, I'm not lonely. I'm not lonely. Oh, you're home alone. I'm not home alone. I'm home with the Holy Spirit. And initially, folks think I was just saying Christianese. No, I am not just saying Christianese. I am actually alone with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we are both laughing. If you see me, I'm alone. I'm laughing. You think, is this guy okay? He's okay, very okay. Is he drunk? Well, yes, he's drunk, but not with spirit, with this spirit. God wants you to have a genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit that you will never feel lonely again in your life. Adam was not lonely. Adam was alone. Difference between being alone and being lonely. It is not good for a man to be alone because two are better than one. Right? But being alone is not the same as being lonely. Because you can be with a crowd and still be lonely. You can be married and lonely. There are many lonely married people and they are sleeping on the same bed but they are still lonely. And you can be single and not lonely because you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, with you, in you talking to you, you have company. The, the, I, was, I, was, I was sharing this morning how, you know, typically, I don't come with my laptop, right? You know that. Mostly on Sundays, I, I, don't, I don't come with my laptop. My laptop, I leave it at home. Or if, even if I bring it, I, I leave it in the office. I, I come to minister, you know, without it. You know, but today... I wanted to leave the house and the Holy Spirit said to me, Take your laptop. I took it. And I got up. I wanted to come to the ATM service from the office. And it says, Take your laptop. And I took it. You know, I would go here and I needed my laptop. What if I didn't take it? Praise God. And honestly, the more we are yielded and tuned to God, the more we experience the fullness of life. Praise the name of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is the answer to loneliness. Marriage is not the answer to loneliness. Of course not. If you are single, you will think it is. But if you are married, you will know it isn't. Now, every married person here, am I saying the truth or not? So, single people here as well. (laughs) It doesn't end it! The only thing that ends is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And look how beautiful it is. If you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, then you are married to someone that has the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then it's, one, it's not that one person is needy and is like a leech. Oh, I cannot do without you. Don't tell me, you do me without me. tell me you can't do without me. Tell me you can do without me. Yeah. Why, why shouldn't you be able to do without me? Why would you want to marry a a man or a woman that cannot do without you? They will kill you. Do you know why they will? Because they will demand from you what only God can give. They will put place pressure on you. You're not God. I'm not God. No, you are not. The only person you can please completely is the Holy Spirit. And the only person that can please you completely is the Holy Spirit. If you look to any man to satisfy completely, you will be frustrated for life. Or any woman, you'll be frustrated for life. The only person that can is the Holy Spirit. So, when you are satisfied and filled, and the other person is satisfied and filled, and you both come together, you have boom. But it's not that the, the little anointing you are trying to manage, the other person is coming to suck everything. <laughs> We just feel leave me alone. Praise God. Yeah, like, okay, Pastor. Um you know I I don't feel the Holy Spirit like you maybe like like you put it like we should be feeling him like that. You know, OK, maybe if sometimes, but not all the time like that. You see, the truth is, your feelings don't confirm the reality of anything. Your feelings do not authenticate anything. There's nothing of value that your feeling authenticates, nothing. Even the love you thought you're feeling authenticated, after a while, your eyes will clear. Feelings authenticate nothing. There are things that, are, that exist, whether you feel like it or not. There are things that exist. If you like, don't feel they exist; they still exist. Do you feel the blood? Going through your liver right now and your spleen. Do you feel the cells of your esophagus and your medulla oblongata? (laughs) Do Do you feel your brain right now? If you do, you have a headache. Do you feel your brain? You don't. So does that mean you don't have a brain? Oh, I didn't feel my brain this morning. No, pastor, I don't have a brain. Uh, you have. It's just not working well (laughs) for you to make that statement. There are things that exist that you don't feel does not reduce their existence, does not diminish their existence. The fact that you don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit does not remove him. I will be with you perpetually. Perpetually. Consistently. Perpetually. How many did I say we'll do? Did I say four? Two. Number two. We'll do four. Call the opinions. Number two. So the first is that it, it connects me to the presence of God forever. The second is this. I've made this statement. The second is this. He teaches me how to know God. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit how to know God. John 14, 26 says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have told you the job of the Holy Spirit is to teach us. There are things you don't know about your destiny, the Holy Spirit will teach you. There are things I didn't know about my destiny that the Holy Spirit taught me. The Holy Spirit is to teach us even more than our pastors, our authors, the people that write the books we read, than our teachers, evangelists, apostles, whoever. They should teach us, but the Holy Spirit. Should teach us more. In fact, the the, the your walk with God. When you hear a word in church, and you go home, the Holy Spirit. Let's say the the, the, the pastor taught you um, X. By the time the Holy Spirit expands it to be X cubed, X raised to the power three. So you should take the word and go and sit down. I told you, I was in a conference. The man of God was speaking, and he was talking about advocacy. And he was saying, oh, we mess up so much. Da, 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 da. And in my, in my mind, I was like, you know, and as I was thinking through it, the Spirit was showing me scriptures. Okay, this. Okay, what about that? Okay, what about this one? Okay, all right. I'm like, oh, wow, 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 wow. Even things the man did not say. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 2, 11 to 12 says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except by the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that we may what? Understand what God has freely given us. So who can know a person's spirit thoughts except his spirit? So who can know God except the spirit of God? So it actually takes God to know God. The reason many times we struggle is because we want to We take our Bibles and we want to read it and understand it and we are struggling. Listen, it doesn't take your brain to know God. It takes God to know God. It doesn't take your intelligence to know God. It takes God to, So, So how, how does God do it? How does God reveal God to us? How does the Holy Spirit reveal God? Goes to us. Three ways. He you know, just goes to us through scriptures. So when you sit with the Bible and you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit whoo, three main ways there are others. Secondly, in prayer you know, when you take the word and you are praying over it and you are brooding over it. Whoo. Thirdly, in community when you are part of a live group or a department or you it could even just be friendships. And somebody says something, and it's as if the Holy Spirit has just spoken to you right there. But somebody that just, but even say something in passing. Why you guys are laughing? But you know God is talking to you. That's how it reveals God. But He is God. He is God, and that's why we have to keep in contact. Keep in contact. Believe it or not, 24-7, we are being programmed. We are being trained. Most of us are on social media. Check your screen time. If you have a phone that does that, you'll be shocked how many hours you spend on Instagram, on TikTok. You watch a reel. Say, let me just watch. Ah, one more. You swipe up. You watch that one. Ah, I need to pray. Let me just watch another one. Swipe up. Swipe up. Now let me tell you something. <laughs> what I did. What I, I did a few days ago. You know. I said to myself, three more. One. Two. And I forgot to count the third one. I have watched about at least 15. I said, hey, I thought I said three more. I said, okay, another three more, three more. So, I, I, if I remember, I probably, I don't know if I would have stopped. Maybe, I probably would have stopped. But after the second one, by the time I was swiping the third one, I had forgotten. I said three. I at watched at, at least 15. I said, ah, okay, so sit so, so down, put it down. <laughs> the devil is a liar. Praise the Lord. We blame the devil for everything. <laughs> we are being programmed. I'm not saying necessarily there's a large conspiracy uh, someone behind it. No. just the fact that culture itself is, is shaping our minds. It's shaping our minds. That's why we need to pay attention to what God is saying, to the person of the Holy Spirit, to the religion. If you leave this place, more desirous to know in the Holy Spirit, we we'll have, will have, I mean, done our job. If you leave this place more hungry for the voice of God, do you know what I mean? Amazing. So what we're saying is this. What we're saying is this, that if we are not clear on God's kind, loving, gentle, but powerful voice, we will be swayed by culture. It's just going to happen. It's, ine- it's inevitable. You, you cannot spend hours and hours on Nollywood then expect to hear God easily. No, it doesn't work like that. Even if you are initially, after a while, one voice will be going down. And if you don't pay attention, before you know it, you're like, ah. Where is the Holy Spirit? He hasn't left, but you have been callous. You have become callous. So you can't continue to take in junk and expect to live right. Because you are what you consume. You are what you take. Spiritually, you are what you take. Emotionally, you are what you take. You are what you consume. Physically, you are what you consume. You know, <laughs> one of my sons just got married and I saw him looking like this. I, I said, Oh boy, you know, what's going on? He said, No, 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 no. That this is not him. This is not. I said, This is you. He said, No, this is not him. <laughs> you know, trying to blame the poor girl. You are consuming our food, you are the one consuming it. You are consuming, 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 consuming. consuming. You, know? you can't be consuming and expect. No. You can't be reading, you know, meals and booms and stuff, for instance, what folks used to do back then. Then it's time for exam, you are trying to solve calculus or chemistry. You can't, because what is inside your brain is meals and booms. Then you say fifteen x plus three y. Ah, x. Why are we always looking for this x? Why is he always running away? <laughs> Find x. Why are we always finding x? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Junk consumption. So I need to paint, I need to spend my time with him. And I'm not saying that you must necessarily. Lock yourself up somewhere. I'm just saying, conscious daily communications, conscious daily perpetual engagement with the Holy Spirit, perpetual engagement. The people they want to—they're saying, "Oh, pastor, I want to know who to marry. I want the Holy Spirit to tell me who to marry." And I'm say, "Okay, okay. So how does God speak to you normally? You know, on a day-to-day?" Say, "Ah, no, 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 no. God does not speak to me normally or day-to-day." I said, "But you want Him to tell you who to marry. It doesn't work like that. You have to hear God normally, you know. Then when it's time to get married to be easy, you can." You can discern, this is the person. So, um, someone said, oh, pastor, lay your hands on me. You know, I want to be able to say there's somebody here that has swallowed the reptile. You know. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, but you are not interested in God has said, take your laptop from the house. They're like, I don't need it. You ignore it. You ignore him. God has said, Oh, that lady, you need to forgive her. You're like, Never, I'm carrying this thing to the grave. God has said, Oh, that man, you need to give him um, your car. He said, Eh, my car. Get behind me, Satan. God is telling you things. You don't want to do that, you're not interested. But you just want to say, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, uh, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. You know the story of I am the Lord, you know. Some people don't know it. Don't assume everybody knows it. Okay, if you know I am the Lord, put up your hand. Okay, you see? Very few hands. You guys don't know I am the Lord. Okay, some people know it. new people in the choir doesn't know I am the Lord. So we have new people in church. You don't know I am the Lord. Okay, I'll tell you. I am the Lord. So there was this guy. I always like to prophesy. Every time I will start when maybe this fellowship is going or everybody's is worshiping. You say, "Shh, I am the Lord. I am the Lord." We <laughs> prophesy. So on this day, you know, I said, "Shh, I am the Lord. I am the Lord." I said in my book in Matthew chapter 29, verse 3, and they were tapping him. "I am the Lord. I am speaking." You know, they're tapping. Me, oga, oga. No, no, I am the Lord, I'm speaking. Then somebody will spared. There's no Matthew 29, sir. There's no they say, no, I am the Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean I mean I mean Matthew nineteen or Matthew twenty-three. You know I am the Lord is sorry. <laughs> No, no. God doesn't make those kind of errors because he is God. Praise the name of That's one. Secondly, if God said, check Matthew 29, in every Bible in the world, immediately there will be Matthew 29. So if they say, oh God, there's no Matthew 29, just say, I am the Lord's sake. Matthew 29. And you open your Bible up. Boom! Everybody has Matthew 29. That is the real I am. <laughs> now you know I am the Lord. <laughs> so, What was I even saying? <laughs> because God is supernatural and God is, you know, a spirit, we don't see God you know, I understand that, but the truth is learning to hear God's voice takes practice because God is spirit. So learn to hear God's voice takes practice, but it is possible. That's why you need to go through an NCR if you're not going through an NCR. Hearing God's voice. Hearing, learning to hear God's voice is possible. Very possible. But it takes practice. It takes practice. You see, and the truth is that the more you, you hear God's voice, the more you are clear on how he speaks. The more you hear it, the more you are, you are clear. The more you, the more you are clear. So someone has been hearing God for 30 years will be more conversant with God's voice than someone that's hearing God for three years or for one year maybe. And the more you spend with him, the more, you know, the story is told, or I tell the story of how, you know, many times my grandmother going to the market, she would tell me to follow her, and I, I, I hated following her. You know, I like the market because the market is exciting, but I, I just hated following her particularly because she can frustrate your life in the market. So she prices something. This thing is too naira. Started from five naira. She says, Kuba three, you know, Kuba four. Okay, finally, the person said, Okay, bring three. says, No, it's two. I'll pay two. two naira. And I'm angry that, you know, and the person agrees, Okay, mama, bring two naira. And she says, She's coming. Ah, <laughs> like this woman. Then she goes to another place and says, Eh, eh, That thing, how much is your own? That one says, ah, but I swear it all right. She argues, 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 argues. That one finally agrees for one eight, one dollar eighty cobble. Buy it. She will go to another person that will not even agree to two. Then she will come back to the first person. I say, hey, Customer, I come to you because you are my customer. I'm like, Mama, who is the customer? You know the customer. You're calling the person like, do your parents do that? They call the person they are selling the oh, customer. And I'm like, buy the freaking thing and let's go. <laughs> but guess what? I'm the one carrying all the bags, right? All the things we've bought. I'm the one carrying the bags. So I'm carrying the bags. Um, so she finally buys it, she adds it, she's going. And from one place to another, one store to another store to another store. I'm mean, a little boy. Market activities, people are fighting, people are talking, people are gossiping. Someone is trying to steal granite. you know. And I'm seeing everything, and I'm following my grandmother, and you know, and I'm distracted. I'm watching the fight. I'm like, give him up a packet, give him up a packet, you know, you <laughs> know, you know, and. I, I look, and I can't find her anymore. I'm, I, I you know, it's those that feeling is very, is very scary feeling. You feel lost. I begin to shout, "Mama, mama!" Everywhere in the market. Now, did you know? Many times, she's also looking for me in another part, and. She says, Oh, mommy. What's I hair? Hear that, Oh, mommy. I think the market is busy. People are talking. It's noisy. But I just hear ah, uh, Oh, mommy. Mama, I'm running in that direction. How did I know it was her? How did I know? I know her voice, even amongst hundreds of people talking at the same time. So when you are conversant with the Holy Spirit, there can be a lot of noise around you. But if you stay, you will hear him. And when you hear him, you will know you've heard him. And the more you hear him, the clearer he becomes. It teaches me to know God. Number three. <laughs> are, you, are you enjoying this? Yes, As the price you pay for me teaching physically, sometimes I go over the time. <laughs> sometimes, not every time. Sometimes. But <clears throat> we'll wrap up in a bit. Number three. He, helps me in my walk with God. He helps me in my walk with God. John 16 verse 7 says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper who is the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener. It means we need help. We need comfort. We need an advocate. We need intercession. We need counseling. We need strength. And the Holy Spirit is all this for us. So, not to know the Holy Spirit, you are depriving yourself not to pay attention to your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you are really depriving yourself. And this, this final one, it's, it's beautiful. It, it's and stand by. <laughs> stand by. You know, I was explaining stand by. Those of us in, this, in Nigeria, if you're watching from, people were watching from different parts of the world, India, different parts of the world, first service. But this one, Nigerians know it best. It's called the standby generator. You know how the standby generator works? You know, there's, you can have a generator and you can have a standby generator. If you have a generator and it, the power is seized at night, maybe at 2 a.m., you still have to go out and either pull the thing or press the button or whatever, starts the generator, then you go back and, and continue your sleep. If it's that important to you. If you have a standby generator on the other hand, once the power is taken, what happens? The generator kicks off by, its, by itself and switches power And the power is restored. That's a standby generator. The Holy Spirit is not just our our generator, if you will. It's our standby generator. In other words, when we are dry and empty, it kicks in. And it kicks in without our permission. It kicks in without our intervention. Now, what Knowledge of this thing is so powerful. Once I began to understand this, my laws are very, very far between. Very sparingly these days. I mean, in, in a long time. When I am low, boom, it kicks in. It kicks in. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Oh. when I fall down you pick me up when I am dry you, you feel, feel my, my cup you are my holy oh, you know. oh. so it's a standby. he helps our work with God and finally number four Not only does he connect me to God's presence forever and teaches me how to know God and helps me walk with God, the Holy Spirit convicts me of my need for God. It convicts me when I stray away from God's path. It convicts me. John 16 from verse 8 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of judgment. Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not condemn us of sin. It's the devil that, and his agents that condemn Gems us for sin. The Holy Spirit convicts. Ever say convict? Convicts us for what's, what's, what's the difference? You know, just like parenting, there are two main styles when it comes to correction. Imagine you have a five-year-old, and you go to shop right a mall. and you you buy stuff and you pay you take your stuff in the car with your five-year-old start your car then your five-year-old brings out bubble gum takes, and says daddy take your own bubble gum Where did you find this bubble gum and you say to him oh And he says to you, ah, when you were picking your own stuff, me too, I picked. (laughs) One way to respond as a parent would be to say to the boy or the girl, you tell them who they are, you are a family, we do not steal, we don't steal. Tell them, you don't steal. Then you take him to the till. Then you pay for the bubble gum. I'll probably buy him an extra one. And you go into the car. And you explain to him that next time, you let me know so that I can pay and all the works. And you both enjoy the bubble gum on your way home. That's conviction. That child now knows better who they are. Knows not what not to do. And knows how to respond in such situations. Or. You could say. Where did you get the bubble gum? The boy already pin his spot. I took it from, ah, only, ole, you're a thief, you're a thief, this thing is from your father's house, is your father, you want to become a thief like your father, all of us in our family, we don't steal, it's your father that brought, all you say is your mother, whatever, but it's usually it's your father, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that they say. Is your ah, your father's behavior? Ah, to about the Ah, this is your father. And we just invoke some generational stuff on the on the poor child. Slap the boy, pull him by his ears as he's going to shame him publicly. Return the thing. Say you are sorry. Don't mind him. Useless boy he wants to disgrace. Come not be disgraced to my family. Then you go home. What do you think will happen to that child? Because that's how a lot of us have been parented, and that's how we are parenting. The first child, they did the same thing, though. They did the same thing. The first child is filled with confidence, he was convicted. He probably will never do it again. Because, ah, no, 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 no we don't do this in my, this is who I am. The second child will have identity crisis, will think they have generational curses, will begin to resent their dad because it's his fault to pass me bad genes. Begin to resent you. She's such a witch. All sorts of things happen. But not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us and draws us closer to the Father. Hallelujah. Don't you just love the Lord? (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. So as we close, the question is to use. What would it look like if you prioritize your relationship with the Holy Spirit, what will your life look like? Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads, and let us think about that. Let's just picture that. What will your life look like if your relationship with the Holy Spirit is this solid? What will your life look like? What will your life look like? And and perhaps you are you are here. You are like pastor. It takes God to know God. I don't have God and I want to know God. I want to know God today, Pastor. Pray with me. Pray with me. If you are there, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated. Should I come forward, Pastor? No, you do not need to come forward. I pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. Put up your hand now over your head. If you are online, the structures are scrolling, and you can do what it says. Put up up your up your hand well. Over your head. Over your head. God bless you not on your head, over your head. Put it up, shoot it up over your head and we'll pray together. Pastor, pray with me. The rest of us, let us, that picture that we see of ourselves, powerful, joyful, not lonely and needy, full of life and vitality. Begin to pray it into being that that is me, Lord. I'm full of joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit. I'm full of life. I have peace in my mind. I have peace in my soul. I have your comfort. I have your strength. I have your standby. I have your advocacy. I have you on my side as my counselor. Heavenly Father, we honor you today. We pray for everyone that is surrendering to you, Lord. We ask that you breathe upon them. Make yourself real in every one of these lives. We pray, O God of heaven, for those of us that are prioritizing our relationship with you. As we sit with scripture, as we engage in prayer, as we Navigating community. Speak to us. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus, for his kindness and his mercy.